of a new narrative podcast that the two of us have started along with filmmakers, musicians, and friends of ours, Spider One and Chrissy Fox. It's called Bleeder's Digest. Weekly original horror stories brought to life every Thursday on the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. From time to time, featuring special guest actors and narrators from the horror community, including Bonnie Ahrens from The Conjuring Universe, and films like Jacob's Wife, Spencer Charnas of the band Ice Nine Kills, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Adam Bush, among others. At time of release, there are six episodes up now for you to check out. That's Bleeders Digest, D-I-E-G-E-S-T, on Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along on Instagram and Twitter, at Bleeders Digest, to stay up to date. So we interrupt our regular feed to showcase one of our recent tales. This one scared the hell out of us when Spider sent it our way. Stars himself as an unsuspecting record shop employee who encounters evil forces by way of some time-worn cassette tapes. Lauren, what did you think when you first heard this story? I was really scared. It's the creepiest story that I've heard yet. Anything involving demons and possession, I think that's my uh, krypton. Yeah. I, I'm so, I get so scared of that. That's the one subgenre that really stays with me and disturbs me because I find a lot of truths in there somewhere. Yeah, I think that it's something that's really interesting that you can play with with audio is just hearing demon sounds and just weird stuff. It adds a layer of creep. It's called The Tapes of King's Chapel. Welcome to Bleeder's Digest. The following contains mature subject matter, coarse language, intense situations, and is meant for an adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. magic of technology can capture the time and place of events. This often serves as a reminder of warm feelings, or something better left forgotten. Bleeder's Digest, issue number five, The Tapes of King's Chapel. This story is called The Tapes of King's Chapel, written by Spider One. So yeah, back in uh, 87, 88, I got this job at a used record store in Kenmore Square. Kenmore Square, for those of you guys that don't know, is in Boston, Massachusetts. And back then it was kind of like Dirtbag Central, Kenmore Square, not, not Boston. It was a meeting ground for punk rockers and Rastafarian dudes and rich college students parading as destitute street rats. You could get a shitty slice of pizza for a buck and buy drugs on every block. I don't think it's like that anymore. I think it's pretty nice now. But anyway, yeah, this record store I worked at was called um, uh, Second Wave, yeah. And it was kind of a great gig. you got to understand, back in the 80s and the 90s, record stores were the shit, kind of the epicenter of cool. I'm not talking about the bullshit mall record stores. I'm talking about the places that had the rare vinyl and carried the small indie stuff. 
On top of that, used record stores were even higher on the scale of coolness. We were the retail rebels, man, buying and selling the rarest of the rare and acting as the aggregators of taste. If you worked at one of these places, you were the judge and jury of what mattered and what was trash. It was also a great place to meet chicks. Anyway, I was pretty knowledgeable when it came to music, and it didn't take long before I got promoted to what they called a buyer. A buyer was the dude who valued people's record collections that they wanted to sell to the store. You'd slep into the shop with your vinyl, your CDs, tapes, whatever, and I'd act annoyed as fuck when you asked if I could take a look. I'd say, hang on, or pretend to do some other shit just to make you wait, until finally I'd say, okay, let me see. Then I'd shuffle through them, sighing in disgust as you sat there nervously. I'd shake my head as if to say, I don't want any of this. Till finally laying out the deal. 30 bucks cash, 40 store credit. Then you'd say, really? 30 bucks? That's it? And I'd say, what do you want from me, man? Look at this crap. You bring me adamant strip? I got five copies on the shelf collecting dust. Nobody wants that shit. Maybe if you had kings at a wild frontier, then we could talk. Not that solo shit. Then you'd look at the floor embarrassed, and I'd say, I'm doing you a favor. Okay, I'll take the 30 in cash. I knew that you would. I'd do this all day. It was great. No complaints. Then one day this dude comes in. I'm sitting in the back of the store on my perch, my music king's throne looking down. The pixies come on, pilgrim blasting in the background, and in walks this real square cat. He's got this normal haircut, straight face, maybe maybe even had a tie on. Not sure, but I do remember he was buttoned up and tucked in. He stuck out like a sore thumb amongst the mohawks and dreadlocks. He's carried in this big cardboard box, looking all awkward, and he's heading straight towards me. Shit. Probably wants to sell me some Pat Boone's greatest hits or something. Anyway, I, I pretend like I don't see him, but he plops his box down and asks, Could I speak to Davis, please? I look up and ask, What about? I was told Davis was who I could talk to about selling some tapes. I grumble and say, yep. So are you Davis? He asks. I'm Davis, brother. What do you got? He pushes the box forward, and the first thing I notice is a shipping label on the box. It's addressed to King's Chapel. Great. Jesus freak. I gotta be honest, there ain't much value in cassettes these days, I say. He doesn't flinch and just replies, Please, Davis, I really need to sell these. I sigh and I roll my eyes and I open the box. I look inside and I see this pile of old-ass cassette tapes. They're not even like anything. Just low-quality blank tapes with handwritten labels. I just stare at this mess for a second before looking up at this dude. What's this? I ask. He says, Tapes? You do buy tapes, don't you? I laugh and I try to explain as nicely as I can because I'm, I'm a good guy. And honestly, I'm wondering if this cat has mental problems or something. I say... We buy music, music, like records and tapes with songs on them. I don't even know what this is. He looks at me and says, There may be some music on some of them. I just really would like to sell them. Yeah, well, uh, we don't have a big demand for church music here, bro. This motherfucker wasn't getting it. But I wasn't going to sit around here all day trying to explain it. Honestly, I felt a little sorry for him. Look, I said, I'll personally give you 20 bucks for the whole box. I, I can't resell this shit, but I guess I can use them for mixtapes or something. He just stared at me for a second and said nothing. Well, I said. Yes, that's wonderful. So I can just leave them with you now? Yeah, I just, I just need some info from you. Name, phone number, stuff like that. Hang on. I turn around and I pulled out a receipt book from my desk and spun back. A 
couldn't have been turned around for more than a couple seconds, but when I looked back, he was gone. Like gone. Not in the store, not anywhere to be seen. Come to think of it, he didn't even take his 20 bucks. <laughs> Whatever. I got back to work, and honestly, I didn't think about that box of tapes till later that night when I got home. I got back to my place around 8 p.m. that night. I had a little shitty one-bedroom in Jamaica Plains. wasn't the best neighborhood, but hey, working in a used record shop didn't pay much. Anyway, I dropped the box of tapes on the coffee table, went to the fridge, and cracked a beer. I sat down, took another look at that address label, King's Chapel. Probably a bunch of choir music, I assume, but as I peered in the box, I quickly realized this was something different, some different shit. Inside the box were about 30 or so cassette tapes, and they were all hand-labeled. Not song titles or anything, just they just names and dates on them. Let me tell you, these tapes were old. The first one I grabbed said, Anna, September 1973. 1973! I can't re-record over these things. They'll probably disintegrate if I just try to play them. But my curiosity got the best of me, and I popped the tape into my cassette deck. I pressed play. At first, I just heard a bunch of tape noise, hissing, popping. Then after a little while, a man's voice, he asked, Is your name Anna? Then a girl answered, a young girl. Yes. Is there anyone else in there with you, Anna? What the fuck is this shit? There was a long pause, and then she had answered back. Yes. Can I speak to them? This dude says, then more silence. Then suddenly, she answers. But I swear to Christ, her voice was completely different this time. No! What the fuck? I shut the tape off so fast and fell back in my seat. This was some spooky shit. I looked around my room, scared, expecting to see a fucking ghost or something. My heart was pounding out of my chest. I took a swig of the beer and I tried to calm myself down. I knew I shouldn't, man. But I had to. I swallowed hard and I pressed play on that tape deck. It's very important that I speak with whoever is in there, the man said. Can you at least tell me his name? Then there was this fucked up noise. It sounded more like an animal than a person. Who am I speaking to? Nothing. Who am I speaking to? Then in this low-pitched voice I hear. I am the adversary. My jaw drops. Then again. I am the adversary. I am the destroying angel. Azazel. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. I shut that tape off again. I look back at the box and the words King's Chapel and those fucking tapes, man. What is this, an exorcism thing? I sit there stunned, scared. I don't, I don't think this is something I'm fucking with. I'm sweating. I don't want to move. Then... My phone rings. And I scream. I pick up the phone. Hello? Then a man's voice. This is Davis. Who, who wants to know? I ask, trying to calm my shaky voice. It has come to my attention that you may be in possession of some audio recordings. It is extremely important to return the box of tapes immediately to the address on the box. He said. I don't have any tapes, I lied. Davis, we know you have the tapes. A young clergyman delivered them to your shop today. It was a misguided move on his part, and you could be in danger. I don't know why, but I kept lying. 
Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember now. Those, those tapes were, were garbage. I tossed the whole box in the dumpster behind this door. I waited for a response, and it, it took a minute, but finally he said, That is most unfortunate. Click. He hung up the phone. I ejected the tape from the player and put it back in its case. I went back to the box and pulled out another. This one labeled Greta, January 1974. I put it in the deck and pressed play. Instantly, there were sounds of chaos, banging, moaning, screaming. A man preached, Most glorious prince of the heavenly armies, Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in our battle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of this wicked world of darkness, against the spirits of wickedness in the high places. This is followed by a terrifying wail. Come to the assistance of men whom God has created in his likeness, to whom he has redeemed at great price from the tyranny of the devil. The Holy Church venerates you as her guardian and protector. To you, the Lord has entrusted the souls of the redeemed to be led into heaven. Turn this shit off. Maybe I should return these, I thought, but... I couldn't stop myself. I wanted to hear more. I scrambled through the box and pulled out another tape. This one was titled Isabel, March 1978. Similar to the other tapes, prayers and screaming, fighting in human voices that morphed in and out of various languages, most unrecognizable. There were more, more, all titled with different names and dates. There were the Omar tapes, the Catherine tapes, Edith, Henry, so many. All more terrifying than the one before. I couldn't stop, though I listened until I felt weak, weak, weak and feverish. Finally, I got to the bottom of the box. There was one last cassette remaining. I reached in and took a look at it. My heart stopped. Handwritten on the tape, as clear as all the others, it said, Davis, August 1989. I shook my head and I rubbed my eyes. I I can't be seeing this right. I looked again. Davis, August 1989. I felt sick. My hand shook uncontrollably. I ran to the kitchen and looked at the calendar. It was August, August 1989. It was right now. Right now. But how the fuck could one of those old tapes have my name on it dated today? This had to be some kind of trick or prank. I dry heaved in horror and then went back to my seat amongst the cassettes. I held that tape in my hand for what could have been hours. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I just stared at it. Davis. August 1989. I didn't want to know what was on that tape, but I knew I had to. I had no choice. I carefully took it out of its case and put it in the deck. I I put my finger on the play button and, and I froze. I was more scared than I'd ever been in my whole life. I pushed down. I I barely had the strength, but I did it. The play button clicked into place and the tape began to spin. Tape has filled the room. So finally a man's voice began. Is your name Davis? I sat frozen, waiting there, but there was no answer from the tape. Then again. Is your name Davis? Again, silence. The tape just popped and hissed. Then I don't know why, what I was thinking, but I answered the voice on the tape. Yes, I said. Is there anyone else in there with you, Davis? 
returned from the tape. I covered my mouth to stifle a scream. I just sat there twitching in terror. I must be losing my mind. Am I actually communicating with this tape? With this voice on this tape? Davis, is there anyone else in there with you? He asked again. How is this possible? How am I having this conversation with a cassette tape? I couldn't take it. I pressed stop on the player, but the button wouldn't budge. The tape just kept spinning and spinning. It's very important that I speak with whoever is in there, Davis. Who is in there with you? I was in a panic. I grabbed the box and scanned the address label for a phone number. Nothing! Shit! Phone book, phone book, phone book, phone book! I knew I had a phone book somewhere. I manically pulled open kitchen drawers and... Yes, there it was. I opened the book. I flipped the pages. Churches, churches. Come on, come on, come on. There it was. King's Chapel. I looked down, and just as I was about to read the phone number, the entire phone book burst into flames. I screamed and backed away from the flaming book. Then from the tape I heard... Our prayers to the Most High, that without delay may He draw His mercy down upon us. Take hold of that dragon, the old servant, which is the devil, it's Satan. Bind him and cast him into the bottomless pit, that he may no longer seduce the nations. I fell to my knees. The room began to rumble. Everything was shaking. Drawers and cabinets opened. Dishes and glasses smashed to the floor. Hundreds of flies appeared from nowhere, filling the room in a deafening buzz. I felt the bed. My limbs had contorted and cracked. My skin burned. I screamed. Just when I thought the entire building would collapse on top of me, it suddenly all stopped. Quiet. Silence. Even the hiss of the cassette tape disappeared. I couldn't move. All time was lost. Then, interrupting the silence, was a gentle knock at the front door. I crawled towards the door, my joints aching with every painful inch across the floor. I reached up and grabbed the doorknob, turned it, and creaked the door open. From my knees, I slowly lifted my head. To my shock, standing in front of me was the man from the record store. The man that brought me this box of tapes. He looked down at me. His appearance was different this time. His eyes were white glazed over his skin a hot red smoldering with thick smoke and I swear I swear there were two small horns rising from the top of his skull he reached out gently and put his hand on my face he smiled and said Davis I do believe you owe me twenty dollars Spider One, featuring Spider One as Davis and the Priest, Tyler Connolly as the Clergyman, Chrissy Fox as Anna and the Possessed, engineered by Tyler Connolly, production, sound design, and music by Chrissy Fox, additional music by Michelle Carter. Bleeders Digest is created and curated by Spider One, Chrissy Fox, Trevor Shand, and Lauren Shand. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to never miss an episode. Bleeders Digest is a presentation of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network.